series called um, uh, You Are Here, and what we're talking about is the idea that if you're going to get to where God wants you to be, you got to start somewhere, and the best place to start is exactly where you're at. Oftentimes, we think that it, we have to be at a certain place before God can speak to us. We have to be at a certain place before God will accept us. We have to, we have to get closer to him, and then all of a sudden, he'll, 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 he'll see us. But what we've been talking about is the idea that he's with you now wherever you are. And you might think uh, that if I knew about your life, um, I might change my mind about God being with you. Uh, You might say, oh, if you knew what I've done, if you knew who I am, if you knew how I think, if you knew what kind of person I am. Um, Well, God does know that, and he is with you. And so we've been talking about the fact that if you want to get to where you want to go, you have to understand where you're at. And this happens in all sorts of ways. If you want to get healthy financially, you've got to know where you're at. You've got to know. If you go to a financial advisor, the first thing they're going to start asking you is, how much debt do you have? How much do you have in savings? (laughs) Because they need to know where you're at. And so it's really important to know where you are so that you can get to where you're going. A lot of the language we've been using has been about uh, flying, okay? So, uh, and so I, I uh, named this particular sermon, uh, You Were Born to Fly, okay? And so, uh, but here's the thing. Lately, the airline industry um, has had kind of a bad season, okay? Because I'm not an airline executive, um, but it come to find out, okay, you can't drag people off of planes, so I learned that this week. And so uh, David Dow, they just had the uh, settlement. It was an undisclosed amount. Uh, so he's probably 400 bucks, 500 bucks, you know, the airline ticket back. Uh, it's just undisclosed, so we just don't know. Um, and, and so uh, it's interesting to me because um, I don't know if you've ever been on a plane when they've asked you to, uh, that they have too many, you know, there's not enough seats, and they ask you to raise your hand if you want a free flight. Like you get that flight, and then a free flight. And I'm that guy. I would do that any second. But if they said to me, um, anyone want to be dragged out by their hair? Uh, I'd keep my hand down. But then they say, for $4 million? Yes, I do. And they're like, sir, you have no hair. And I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? You know. Uh, so so it, it, who knows what the settlement is? But I can kind of understand the frustration with the airline industry if you've ever flown. The last time I flew was a couple months ago, and I went on an airline I had actually never heard of before called Spirit uh, Airlines. And what Spirit does is they take yours, okay? So that's why they call it Spirit Airlines, because when you leave, you have no spirit at all. And... um, the, the rates are really good, and then so like you, like my ticket cost me like eighty dollars, and then um, and then to actually board the plane was another fifty, and then to sit down was another forty, and so by the time I got done with everything, so I took a picture. This is a actual picture of my coffee on the plane. So what happened was, you know, the cart comes down, and you know you get free water and coffee, and uh, you know, well on most airlines, and, um, but not Spirit. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a cup of coffee, you know, just make, to make my life go better. And they said, uh, uh, I said, can I have a cup of coffee? And she said, yes, that'll be $2. And so I was like, well, you know, it's probably Starbucks, you know. 
Probably comes with a free mug. <laughs> you know, I don't know, like a Spirit Airlines mug, you know. You made a mistake. Oh, yeah, I did. So, so, uh, so, so two bucks, right? So I, they pull out the credit. I pull out my credit card. You know, I never carry cash, and they swipe it and everything. And, and this is a picture I'm going to show you. This is my cup of coffee, my $2 cup of coffee. Uh, that's it. It's actually on the tray table in front of me. And so when I took this picture, yeah, it is sad. Our church's coffee cart does better than this, okay? Like, we have better coffee and better cups than a major corporation. And so I was, I was livid about that. I'm just, like, drinking it. I don't like the coffee. It doesn't, I don't, I don't like drinking out of styrofoam cups. It's just, and I was just like, man, this, this Spirit Airlines, I hate Spirit Airlines. Now, again, this sermon is brought to you by United Airlines. You know, but, no. Uh, no, I'm just like, I'm just like, man, now you're like, what does this have to do with the Bible? Okay, I, spare with me. So here's the thing. I took a picture of my cup of coffee. Like I was able to take a picture. Okay, the, the photograph was invented by this guy. He's French. His name's Joseph. And then there's some French words after that I can't pronounce at all. So we're going to call him Joe. Okay, and he created the first Photograph. Yeah, he, uh, Joe took a picture of a cup of Joe. That was great. Thanks. I, okay, it's my sermon. Okay, sir? Stay, just stay seated. Okay. Uh, I work all week on this, and then you can just start yelling stuff at me? Good night. So, Joe, it was actually a good one. Uh, Joe, I took a picture of the cup of Joe. Okay, right? So, so think about this. I'm flying 30,000 feet in the air, and I take a picture with my phone. Now, the phone was invented by this guy. We're going to call him Al, okay? Alexander Graham Bell. My phone can take a picture while I'm flying 30,000 feet in the air. My phone can also, oh, I don't know, make phone calls, like... That is incredible. Think about that. Here's the other thing. I'm in the air. That was invented by these guys. Wilbur and Orville Wright. Try to say that fast. Uh, They invented the airplane. Now, there were some designs that came before, but they actually invented the way where it can turn, and and then they got propelled and all that kind of stuff. Here's a picture of their their first, first one. And so they they invented flight. So I'm on a plane at 30,000 feet in the air taking a picture with my phone. Isn't that incredible? And I'm traveling 500 miles an hour because of this guy. His name is Hans, okay? We're just going by first name basis now. I know all these guys are really good friends of mine. (laughs) Hans created the jet engine. So I'm 30,000 feet in the air, okay, traveling at 500 miles an hour, taking a picture of a cup of coffee that's sitting in a styrofoam cup that was made by a machine. Styrofoam was invented by this guy. (laughs) His name is Roy, okay? Roy invented styrofoam. Like, how do you do that? How do you invent styrofoam? But there he is. And I'm taking it with my phone. 
that was invented by this guy, my friend Steve. <laughs> For a while, he was actually my best friend. Uh, he, uh, when he first came out with the iPhone, uh, I proudly declared, because I'm, I'm kind of an Apple guy, uh, that it would fail miserably, <laughs> okay? That's how good I am at uh, predicting the future. And so he created, and this is what I took a picture of. Now just think about that for a second. We have all these people inventing and living. This was their focus. This was their job. Roy got up every morning, I'm sure, and thought about styrofoam. He's, he probably woke up before it got dark, and he was rolling out of bed, and his wife is like, just why can't you just sleep in? I can't. I got this vision of some guy 30,000 feet in the air. He needs his coffee. We got to help him out and make this stuff called styrofoam, right? Focused. Pioneers. All these people are pioneers. And all I can think about is that coffee cost me $2 and it's not worth it. <laughs> think about that. I'm 30,000 feet in the air, traveling 500 miles an hour, taking a picture of a styrofoam cup with my phone. And all I can think about is it's not worth $2. If I went back 500 years and I said to somebody, hey, um, you can fly 500 miles an hour, uh, 30,000 feet in the air, and you'll be able to capture it with a device that you can also call your wife on from the phone, from the plane, but it's going to cost you two bucks, <laughs> right? They'd be like, where do I sign up? Now, this is what happens when we lose focus of the kingdom around us because we're focused on that one thing that's bugging us. That we lose focus about all that God has done. It's interesting to me, we talked about this last week when we were talking about God's word, is that we're so, we take it so much for granted because there's, there's millions of them printed Every year, like, like you can find a Bible now. Now, guess what? Guess where my Bible resides? Oh, yeah, my phone. Okay, so my phone now takes pictures at 30,000 feet and I can read my Bible at the same time. Okay, that is bizarre. But we take it for granted. We forget who came before us. And sometimes when we look back, it gives us a better perspective on, the, on where we are right now. And so, Here's the picture I took. This was on the same trip. Um, this is where I should have been looking. It was the fact that I'm sitting up thousands of miles. That's a jet engine, by the way. Uh, thank you, Hans. We appreciate that. Uh, but I'm looking at this city. Now, I don't want to belabor the point, but I'm looking at lights that are on houses that are like, it's incredible. Like, what an opportunity, even with nasty spirit airlines. I got to fly. Now, here's what I'm hoping you'll see this morning. You were born to fly. You were born to soar. You were designed, as we sang about, to, to breathe. It's his breath in your lungs. You were not born to be stuck looking at a styrofoam $2 cup of coffee and have that be the focus of your life. So let me, let me read. We're going to spend our time in uh, Hebrews this morning. Um, get it? Because we're talking about coffee. Hebrews. <laughs> I'm, I'm here all week. Okay. 
I really am. I have to go to work tomorrow. Um, can I have my glasses, babe? Thanks. I want to read. Uh, so we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, um, but, uh, but it's been canonized, which we talked about last week, which means there was a whole bunch of really smart scholars that got together and they decided which books were going to be in the Bible, which books were inspired by God, where God breathed, and Hebrews is one of them, and it doesn't take you long as you're reading it to kind of hear the voice of God throughout the entire book. But Hebrews has a chapter in it, chapter 11, that we call um, the Hall of Faith, okay? And the reason we call it the Hall of Faith is because it talks about all these people who had faith. And so uh, I won't read the entire chapter, but it starts out like faith um, uh, is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. He talks about Abel, talks about Abraham, talks about Noah, talks about Moses, and all these different things that they did with faith. Now, here's the question I have. Why, why would the writer of Hebrews, inspired by God, spend a whole bunch of time talking about the past, talking about these pioneers that went before us? Because they're dead. I mean, what, what good are they now? I mean, they're, they're gone. Why, why would he spend all this time? We're assuming it was written by a he. But why, why would he spend all that time doing that? Looking to the past, looking at the pioneers that went before us. Well, we, we're smart people to get an encouragement for what we're going through now. To, 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 to be able to get through, if they can, then maybe I, I can. If by faith Abraham is uh, asked by God to kill Isaac and he goes up the mountain and at the last minute uh, there's a sacrifice that's given in Isaac's place, maybe I can be asked by God to do something, and he'll turn it out okay. And so you read these different people, Moses and Abraham and Abel and Noah and all that, and you, and you go, man, well, you know what? If they can, I can. But then we get to the last part of the chapter, and uh, we talk about some other people. And I want to read, this is the part I want to read to us. It goes on. Talking about all these people, and he says, and what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received their dead by resurrection, others were tortured. Uh Uh-oh, wait a minute, wait. Okay, uh, killed people, uh, had nice kingdoms, resurrected. Wait, others were tortured. Okay, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. Okay, that's just disgusting. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. 
why would the writer of Hebrews talk about all those people? Why would the writer of Hebrews talk about what they went through? Because of the verse we're about to look at right now. These pioneers lived, and this was all written down, so that our focus, our attention, wouldn't be on the things we're going through right now. And don't get me wrong, I understand that some of us are going through some really, really difficult things right now. But it's not that the thing isn't upsetting. Trust me, that $2 cup of coffee was extremely upsetting, okay? So I understand what it's like to have problems, okay? No, I'm kidding, right? It's, it's not that, that what you're going through isn't upsetting. It's that God has provided us these pioneers to look back and go, if they can, I can. And so let me read to you real quick what, what it says. If I can connect to my computer, that would be fantastic. Goes right in from Hebrews 11, this hall of faith, to Hebrews chapter 12. And it says this. Well, I don't have it up there. Is it up there? Can you go to the next slide for me? There we go. Cool, thanks. All right. I think it was because I, my pictures were too awesome. It crashed the computer. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So remember the context. The context is look at all these people that went through whatever they needed to go through in order to experience the kingdom of God on earth. Since we have them as our cloud of witnesses, we are surrounded by this great cloud of witness. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles us. Everything. In other words, as focused as styrofoam guy Roy was, as focused as uh, jet engine um, Hans was, as focused as the Wright brothers were on that stuff, we get focused in on our relationship with God. That we just throw off anything that gets in the way of that. That there'd be nothing worth sacrificing that relationship for. And why do we know we can do that? Because we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us that we know about who did it themselves. Now, here's the problem. Oftentimes we can do that for a day. Maybe we can do it for a week or, you know, we get good at something or we're kind of growing to the Lord. And so, but then we kind of begin to lose our footing. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says right after that. We throw off all those things that so easily entangle. I think I told the story. I ran a marathon. Uh, well, I completed a marathon, and um, uh, I completed most of the marathon. And uh, in the beginning, uh, I had these sweatpants on, the, the sweat suit, because it was early in the morning. And so you'd, you'd go to the beginning of the marathon, and everybody would be in all their sweatpants. And then when the race started, you'd take all your just your sweats off. You'd have things on underneath, okay? It wasn't that kind of marathon. And so, and, and so when, you, when the gun started, you'd just watch all these sweats just kind of being thrown around, and they gather them all up, and they give them to the homeless and all that. But you don't want that. If you're going to run a marathon, you don't want that stuff on. It's, it's what entangles you, and it's what hinders you. And this is the idea of what the writer of Hebrews is saying. That thing that brought you comfort that thing that maybe you needed at the time, you don't need anymore. Throw it off. Take it off. It's too important. The race is too important. Your life is too important. You're born to fly. 
You're born to be more than just your circumstances. Then he has this encouragement. He says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Do you remember, do you remember that lady who won the marathon uh, who, who jumped in? Do you remember? It was, like, it was like two decades ago. She jumped in right at the very last second and then was like, whoo, I won, you know, and, and, and they were like, uh, they were like, well, that's weird. You're not even sweating. And it's like, well, that's, you know, and, and so they, 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 they caught her, right? Because she wasn't, mar- she wasn't running the race that was marked out. She just kind of like snuck in at the last moment. But God has a race marked out for you. God has a course marked out for you to run. You have the relationships you have because they are on your course. You have the job you have. Now, again, he doesn't handpick every little thing. We are, we are able to make decisions, okay? We have free will, so it's not like he makes you do everything, but he marks out this race. And isn't it interesting? Isn't it encouraging that he says, run it with endurance? Like, there's going to be times in your life where you're like, I just want to stop. I'm too tired. And the writer of Hebrews says, this is going to be step after step, day after day. Now, how do you get through a race like that? Because for, for some of us, it's like going through what we're going through, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, whatever situation you're in, you think, man, how am I going to get through this? And that's why the writer writes this very next section. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. In other words, if I want to know how to get through something, I look back at the pioneer who got through that. You know, like Lewis and Clark, they went through the whole, you know, they went through, what is that, the Wilderness Trail or whatever. Probably should have looked that up before I started quoting history that I don't know anything about. But Lewis and Clark were pioneers. And that we're still, we can still take that trail. Is it Lewis and Clark? Okay, good. Okay, sorry about that. I had to ask the smarter half. Uh, yeah, okay, Lewis and Clark. Right, so we're still riding that trail. Why? Because they were the pioneers. They went first. They were the ones who took the risk. Well, the same thing goes for myself. If there's a set section of life for me, a, a, a period that's tough, and maybe you're in a period that's tough right now, where do we go? Who do we look to? We look to the pioneer, Jesus. And we fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, what's interesting is that the writer of Hebrews knows this about Jesus. And watch the language that he uses. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, if you have the New American Standard Bible or another version of the Bible, it might read this, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when you read that, the author, then it sounds like he's like writing out, writing your faith out. Like he's, he's, he's writing your story. But that is, this is a better translation. No, no, no. He did it. He made it. Whatever you're going through, whatever temptation you've got, whatever struggles, he did it. He made it. He's the author. He's the pioneer. He blazed the trail. He said, uh, I got a uh, text this morning, I mean, uh, this week, uh, reminding me of, because I, well, it was from Lisa, but she wrote about John going, when Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my father. 
Like he's so focused on the kingdom. He, he doesn't even think about food. He doesn't think about not only the $2 cup of coffee. He doesn't even think about coffee. He's thinking about what can I do to perform the will that my heavenly father would have me do. What? So, so what ends, how it ends up playing out in our lives is when you face a difficulty, when you face a, a time in your, a period in your life when you say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this, what it becomes is not the issue anymore. Not the situation isn't the issue anymore. It's, Lord, I've got this situation. What do I need to do to do your will in this situation? Okay, we just got the news. This bad news or what have you. God, what do I need to do? I fix my eyes on Jesus. Jesus, what did Jesus do in these situations? He went to his heavenly father. He woke up early and prayed. He, he, he was able to look past the circumstances. He is the author. He's the pioneer. He knows how to go through all of it. Now, isn't that awesome that we serve a God that was gracious enough to become man, to become human, in order to experience everything that you and I would experience so that now we have a pioneer. We have one that went before us. So if you're worried about your finances, he's been through that. If you're worried about relationships, he's been through that. If you have a, 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 a tension with, with somebody at work, but he's, been, he's been through that. The Bible says he's been tempted in every single way that we could be tempted, and he made it. He pioneered it. He's the one who went first. And now here's the other thing. And he finished. He's the pioneer and the finisher, the perfecter, he did it. And the reason we look back at these pioneers, whether it's the hall of faith with, with, with those people who were flawed, or we look back and we just say, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, the pioneer, the perfecter, the one who started out and actually did it, I can be encouraged that I can do it. And so he says... And here's what he says, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Now, scorning doesn't mean, when we think of scorning, we think of like, um, like disgust. It, it just means ignore, uh, ignoring. He, he didn't pay any attention to. So here you've got Jesus, the pioneer who goes f- before us. And the finisher, the perfecter, he finishes And during that time, when he is enduring the cross, he says, that is not my focus. The difficulty of the cross is not my focus. It's for the joy set before me, this kingdom perspective. He's the pioneer, and he did it. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, you say, well, that's great, but he's Jesus, and I'm me, and we're kind of different, okay? He seems to be good at this, and I don't seem to be good at this. But watch what the writer says after he talks about Jesus. Okay, he says this, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See, as we enter into this life, as we start with where we are and we're trying to get to where Jesus wants us to be, where God wants us to be, we are going to hit roadblocks, we're going to hit problems, we're going to hit 
all these different things. And at those times, at those times we say, you know what, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm not going to fix my eyes on what's right in front of me. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter, the finisher of my faith. You can do this because Jesus did. 